in the back of my mind, I knew that idealistically wanted to do something in either education or healthcare, just because those are two industries which are benefiting from technology in need of further disruption. Hello, you are listening to the One-Eyed Man podcast. This is Mike Stopforth, and today we are talking about mental health. If you follow me online, if we follow each other online, you would have noticed that this is a topic that I care deeply about and have spoken about increasingly over the last couple of months and years. It has been a feature of my entrepreneurial journey. It's been a feature of my life, really. But I've realized that not only is it helpful for me to talk about it and to share some of my story, but there's also sort of a widespread stigma around talking about mental health issues, especially amongst uh, men, especially amongst business men. And I'm really committed to changing some of that stigma and creating spaces where we can talk about some of the stuff that we're struggling with um, in the same way that we would talk about all of the other topics that are, are, are tough to tackle in the business world. My guest today is somebody who also cares uh, specifically about creating new spaces and new spaces at scale assist you in whatever capacity you need. And I just want to encourage you, you know, one of the most insidious things about depression is that it tends to isolate us from the most powerful antidotes to it, which is really connection with other human beings, exercise, really good routine and habits. And I just want to say to you, you are not on your own. And I want to encourage you to reach out. If it's reaching out to me, I'll see what I can do to help. But Pandas also a wonderful place to start with that journey. But don't not reach out. Don't wait for it to get better because it won't. And I just want to I just want to say to you that you are not on your own. Okay, on that short, uh, uh, brief tangent, please enjoy the discussion with Alon, and please do go and download the Panda app and experiment with it and share it with your friends because it really is impactful and meaningful. On with the show. Okay, Alon, I think we're going to jump straight in. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your 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 2023 has started off with a bang straight to Silicon Valley for some, uh, was it a conference that you were attending? Yeah, I went there for the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. Okay, okay. Is it your first visit to that particular event? Uh, first visit to that event. Uh, healthcare is not traditionally my world, so yeah. great to step into it. Um, not the first time to San Francisco, though, so good to be back. First time, obviously, post-pandemic. I was there. Okay, wow. So it's what, been three or four years since you were in the Valley? Yeah, I was there in January 2020, so <laughs> just before Jeepers. the world changed. Yeah, And that was back. a different life for you, right? I mean, you were there under very different auspices at the time. Uh, for listeners who don't know, you, you um, were very material, uh, I would argue, uh, pivotal in um, the introduction of Uber into South Africa. You were, played the role of country manager for a while, is that correct? Yes, I was... Luckily, I guess Uber's first employee in Africa was general manager for Uber in Johannesburg back in August of 2013 and was fortunate to grow with the business. I was there for seven years and was the director for the business across sub-Saharan Africa. So I was in San Francisco back in Jan of 2020 for general manager conference where all the different general managers for the different regions for Uber across the world came together for a planning session. Um, amazing, kind of amazing. 2020. So yeah, a very different trip, but great to be back now. Uh, definitely some changes in San Francisco, but still a special place. I think the first thing that blew my mind is just the scale of the US generally. And I mean, you see sure. it in San Francisco. I was in a random hotel and probably within 500 meters of me in different directions, there were four Starbucks. 
and oh, the wow. Starbucks are open from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. and their queues all day, every day. So there's just so much consumer demand in that market. And obviously, there's a lot of talk of recession, but you don't see it from what I observed. So interesting. Mm. Certainly not there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think you're, you're obviously within a bubble. Uh, different elements of that bubble moving around the city. But yeah, you're, you're definitely within a bubble there. Um, and yeah, from a healthcare perspective, uh, amazing to see, well, firstly, how many people just come out for these conferences. They're just at a scale that I guess coming from SA, not always used to. Obviously, we do have some big conferences, but this like literally sells out the city where, you know, difficult to get hotel rooms, difficult to get into coffee shops during the day for meetings or restaurants. Literally is just people descending upon the city to be there at the same time. So really uh, unbelievable to be in the city where all these hopeful decision makers are, you know, in close proximity. And, you know, if you try hard enough, can get those meetings. And also just amazing to see the innovation happening around the world um, and in the U.S. Really unbelievable minds working on exciting stuff. Was it a sort of combo expo uh, conference address, more of a trade event, or was it more kind of sit in an auditorium and listen to experts, or a bit of both? More presentations are then networking. I'm not really okay. expo, but um, obviously as part of presentations, people would speak about their expertise and what, what they're working on. Okay. Were you guys presenting? Uh, no, we weren't. We were just looking to meet with. We're hopefully looking at some point to enter the U.S. market from an expansion mm. and launch perspective. So we're looking to strike up partnerships to expedite that launch. Amazing. So so we, we're talking about what it is that you've started, and, and we actually haven't spoken about it specifically. So I suppose for listeners who aren't aware, could you talk a little bit about what you founded and what you've started and, and why the big shift, I guess, from being the general manager of sub-Saharan Africa for, for Uber to health tech? Yeah, so let me start there. So left Uber, it was in August of 2020 mm -hmm. um, and initially took a bit of time out Then wanted to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And in the back of my mind, I knew that idealistically wanted to do something in either education or healthcare, just because those are two industries which are benefiting from technology in need of further disruption. So started having conversations with people in that space and then was introduced to my co-founder at Panda, an individual by the name of Alan Sweden, who comes from a very different background to me. He's a clinical psychologist and mm -hmm. he built the Keso Hospital Group. For those of you who aren't aware of a Keso or aren't familiar with it, it's the largest group of psychiatric hospitals in South Africa. Uh, they have approximately 12 sites around the country, hmm. and they were serving over 22,000 patients a year. And obviously, psychiatric care is different to medical care, where people are on average hmm. coming in for a 10-day stay when they get admitted into the hospital. So pretty large brick-and-mortar operation that he built out and is obviously then a business builder and entrepreneur, but also a subject matter expert. The way that Alan describes his career is he's always been looking at ways to scale his impact, starting off in private practice where he was seeing eight patients a year to the hospital group where it was over 800 patients, sorry, eight patients hmm. a day to the hospital group where it was over 800 patients a day to now hopefully Panda where we can make a much larger impact. So that was really the context in which we were introduced. He being a subject matter expert in mental health, me having some exposure to technology in the tech world and scale and operations at Uber. And, you know, on a personal level, 
kind of joke that I've been surrounded by mental health professionals my whole life. My, my mom's a social worker. My wife is a clinical psychologist. Her mom's a social worker. Her dad's a clinical psychologist. So I've seen the amazing work that these professionals mm. have done. I think you know, all of us in our own way struggle with mental health related issues. I have family members that, that do or have. And, you know, it was this unique opportunity to build something with the subject matter experts in this space and hopefully make an impact. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting if you think about the, the bridge between the two. I mean, you were, you were definitely at the bleeding edge of tech innovation and, and especially in this context, leading Uber's, I guess, launch and, and, and penetration in, in the local market uh, and with, with outrageous success. So you clearly understand that world very well and, and have done a marvelous job of helping a business that is, I think we would hold them up as one of the great bastions of innovation of the last sort of decade. And, you know, that we go to conferences and people talk about Ubering their businesses as a, almost like a verb. Is there any link apart from your growing up in a family of mental health care professionals you know, Uber, my impression of Uber as a business and my interactions with them is, is that was an incredibly fast-growing, fast-changing, frenetic environment that was uncompromising in its demands on its people and on its talent. Did you get a sense of the, the value of paying more attention to mental health from your experience? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think if I look back at my time at Uber, I think a lot of negative things have been said about the Uber culture. And that's probably a debate in itself. I think there were some positives to the culture. And I think one thing sure, I learned yeah. is, you know, the, you know, it sounds a bit corny to say it, but I remember when I joined Uber, I was reporting to Ryan Graves, who was the COO for the business. And the first and probably only KPI that I had for the first couple of months that I was there was in six months time, he wanted me to be doing 2000 trips a week in the city. And at that point, yeah. that sounded almost impossible I mean, we're doing mm. you know like probably about a hundred or so um in 2000 seemed very far away in six months time and you know yeah. i guess you know thankfully we, we reached that milestone and we obviously grew to a point where we were doing millions of trips around the region and then sure. why i raise that is I, I think it just you know if you don't like try and push for the impossible as corny as it is right or you try and push for something that doesn't seem reachable you're never going to push yourself. So I think there were a lot of pros to the culture. I think on the, the negative side, I think you know, Uber did push employees hard. I think it did raise the importance of you know, strong commun communication in the workplace and um, putting the right managers in place. I think whenever there were issues, it was often a result of trust breaking down between managers and team members and lack of communication. Um, if you do read some of the horror stories that were kind of unraveled in Travis's time, a lot of it just came down to an HR team that were not empowered, uh, that were mm, kind of mm. there as a mouthpiece, if I can call it that, um, of leadership to kind of do what they were told, not really be there to support employees in the way that they should. So I think there were some lessons in what okay. went wrong um, and how you shouldn't do things when you're building a company. And I think what's also critically important, and it's helped us, I think, in some ways land at where we're at. When we started off on this journey, it was very much focused on the individual and mm -hmm. uh, helping them with their own mental health journey, which is important. But at the same time, I think where we're going as a product, as we kind of continue on this journey, is we're very focused on business solutions. 
Um, and yes. we've got, we're working very closely with HR, with leadership to provide them real-time insights into the employee base so they can uncover issues before they become widespread so they can give mm. their employees the support that they need and they can drive proactive change across the business. So I think, you know, having that experience in the corporate and you know, not always getting it right myself, I think it's important to use data. I think, again, another learning, you know, maybe not... Uh, directly linked to mental health is what what did uber do they never really well they didn't not even really they did not create the, the transport industry right there have been ways to get from point course, a to yeah. B long before uber what made uber successful they made it more efficient more accessible more transparent more trackable more accountable with technology so those are all things which we try to bring to what we're doing here and at the mm, same time mm. they leverage data to inform business strategy where you know you would never think of uh well it's difficult in a, a non-data-driven world or a non-tech-enabled world to use data obviously you can collect data you can base it on anecdotal experience but it's difficult to do that you know often paper-based sure. and manual whereas with technology in real time you know we could tell drivers what the busy areas were to get them there yeah. right or we look at trends of our data and ensure that we could match demand and supply or plan what driver onboarding should look like going into a busy december period so how can you leverage that data to define business strategy or launch or expansion? You know, before we would set up in a new market, we could look at what downloads were, how many people are opening up the app looking for a driver, um, you know, and what mm. great market validation, like what better validation could you ask for, right, than number of people trying to open your app and get a trip when you're not there. So another learning was just, you know, leveraging data to inform business strategy. Something else which I think is very relevant to my Uber experience because at the end of the day, Uber was a marketplace, right? Where you can't have yeah. demand without supply and supply without demand, right? You can't tell people that you can get around a city if there are no drivers available. So something 100%. that we did in the early yeah. days at Uber was something called join and support, where we would, you know, really go, you know, probably from hotel to hotel in the context of Joburg or outside the train station and look for drivers who are working in the industry and offer them an hourly rate, which was calculated based on what we thought their net earnings would be based on you know how we saw demand um, growing mm -hmm. in the city at the time. And we would guarantee them that rate, assuming that they accepted the trips that came their way, but regardless of what actual mm -hmm. demand was. So if they sat there for four Lit hours- Literal hands-on recruitment, yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah, we used to call it driver slanging, but literally that's what we used yeah. to do. I spent a lot of time kind of going around to drivers, wow. showing them the app, convincing them to take a, a bit of a gamble on Uber, when they didn't this new thing. Point, yeah. uh, know anything about it, right? And there wasn't the credibility that came later. And we had that supply secured and then you could sell to users, right? Because now you knew that if you're telling a user to download the app and open it up, then they would see a driver around them and they would be able to get a trip. And over time, you didn't need to worry about paying that guarantee because the organic demand was there to sustain yeah. those earnings. Uh, but you, you couldn't get there without that join and support up front and why it's relevant to what we're doing here is that our core offering is live interactive audio only sessions that we have running for 14 hours a day at the moment and you can join these um, and over time the vision here is that these become more organic more community-led more user-generated based on topics that they want to talk about with people that they want to interact with um, we've got plans to moderate that we've got plans to ensure that people are appropriately trained to handle the situations that might arise in those discussions. But when you're starting on day one, 
you've got the same marketplace issue, right? Where you can't have sessions without users and users without sessions. So my Uber experience was relevant to a completely different context. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a really great segue into talking about what Panda actually is, because you've, you've now uh, told us a little bit about the kind of core, core offering. Um, but, but how do you, and I'm sure you've thought, thought about this quite a lot, just having come from the, the conference in, in San Francisco. How do you, how do you explain Panda as a concept sort of through elevator pitch? How do you, how would you explain it to my, my grandpa uh, as an example? Um, what is the, what is the one sentence introduction? Yeah, good question. I think I've toyed with different iterations, but I think ultimately we want you to be proactive in your mental health journey in the way that you would with your physical health, right? What is the, you know, the the gym for your mind and where that with Panda, Mm. where, Mm. you know, Mm. a lot of people just don't, and I'm going beyond the the one line, I just don't know how to start their mental health journey, you know, or it's intimidating, really intimidating to put yourself out there, speak to someone who you don't know. Yes, they are a medical professional, Right. But to tell your story is a big step for for some people. And as a result, some people just don't get support right? because they're not ready to take that step. So how can we lower barriers to ensure that people get the support that they need? And that's what we're trying to create with Panda. And also, why wait for that moment of distress? Right. Invest sure, before sure. you get there. Right. Invest or learn more before you, 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 you know, you're in a, a moment where you can't get out of bed. Um, and that's what we're trying to create. So how do we do that? We do these through live sessions on our Panda theme. We've got um, the Bamboo Forest where we have these live sessions running every day from uh, 8 a.m. in the morning till 10 p.m. at night. And as mentioned, we're looking to scale that. But when you join a session, you can participate as a fly on the wall, just listening. You can interact by raising your hand and speaking to the host or other participants, or you can interact with live chat functionality. And because we've got these different ways for people to start their journey, it's a lot easier to be proactive. And there are also topics that are there for everyone. And we're using, again, data to inform what topics we're running, what times of day, you know, based on what we know is important for our users. And that proactive start helps people just when I think often the problem is people suffer in silence, right? They, you know, they don't know that there are other people out there dealing with similar issues and a starting point in a healing process is often hearing that you're not alone, right? And there's a community of other people out there who are facing similar issues. How are they dealing with it? Sometimes they deal with it well, sometimes they don't, and that's okay. So that helps normalize the issue for people. And we're also providing people uh, with access to psychoeducation, you know, more so than, you know, reading it off a book or a website or listening to a YouTube video. You can actually interact with an expert on a topic and ask those questions that you wouldn't ordinarily have access to. And again, you don't need to be you know, depressed in inverted commas to start investing in your mental health. You know, we know a big stressor is work life or financial stress or parenting. And we've got sessions on all those things. How do you cope better with work life balance? How do you cope with financial stress? How do you cope with parenting? And I think everyone that's relevant to you, right, whether you are or are not dealing with a mental health related issue, it, again, it just becomes an easy entry point for people, right? Like, so, you know, using the gym analogy, again, you don't need to be in the best shape to kind of step in the room. You can start anywhere where you're at, and then you can go on your journey from there. So I think that proactive care is absolutely critical. And what we're seeing is high engagement from yeah. users as a result. I mean, that's such a pertinent point, Alon, and it, it seems painfully simple when you say it that way, but but the mindset that we have around mental health challenges is very different to 
the mindset we have around physical fitness, uh, and they're really not all that different. So hyper-correlated, right? So, I mean, the, the notion of I should only go gym when I have type 2 diabetes, would be somebody would say, that's crazy. Why would you... Why would you let that happen before you start thinking about eating well or, you know, or regular exercise or whatever it might be? And that's very much now baked into our culture is that almost all of us are, are striving towards very conscious physical health, looking after the bodies that house our minds and our brains, aware of, you know, kind of the aging process and just be very conscious about our general health. But it seems like we're almost two or three decades behind that when we think about mental health, which is an almost entirely reactive approach, right? So I assume that I'm, I'm okay without any work, right? Like it's a little bit like when you, when you decide to do like running for the first time, you're like, I've been running my whole life. I'll be fine. I'm sure I could just run. And then you find it actually, it helps to train a specific way or work on your gait or you know, get the appropriate shoes for your, your foot uh, uh, structure or whatever. It's the same way with just our, our minds is that they are as they are, they are unmaintained and unexamined and un, uh, you know, looked after and, and continuing to assume that they'll just be okay into perpetuity is, is like assuming I could just eat the same thing and never exercise and my body will be okay. I think that is a, it's a hugely pertinent point and a, and a, and a significant shift because you, know, you were talking about barriers. And when I think about my own uh, mental health uh, journey, you know, first it started with the barrier of acknowledging that I wasn't in a great place, which in and of itself is tough to do because, you know, sometimes you don't even realize that you're in a tough place. You don't even realize that you have your, your mental health is eroded to the point where you're not in a, in a great space anymore. Then you've got to find help. And again, like, you know, the, the chances of finding the ideal partner for your, let, let's assume therapy is one of the, the rehabilitative tasks that's important for your mental health. Finding the exact right therapist, you know, or a really great therapist is, is about the same as walking into your local Virgin Active and, and shaking hands with the first personal trainer and going, We're gonna, you know, if you think about those as being correlated examples, uh, I mean, hopefully most therapists are better trained, trained than your average personal trainer, but no offense to personal trainers, but you get my point, right? And then, and then, and then beyond that, even if you do get those two things, right, the cost of mental health, generally speaking, is for 97% of South Africans, uh, exorbitant. So it's very, very much the domain and the realm of the privileged few. And we can see that the, you know, the cascading uh, impacts of this, these, these barriers in society. So you know, my impression is that Panda is really trying to break each of those barriers in turn, uh, you know, in the, in the steps you sort of spoke about is uh, first of all, making mental health conversation and topics accessible and, and non, I, mean, I don't even want to say taboo because that sounds ridiculous. I mean, we've come a long way, but like making it part of our everyday conversation making it accessible and then obviously making it affordable as well. Um, but I can imagine that's been like super challenging, right? Because you've got this, you've got this core value proposition in, in the app uh, and I can download that app on my iPhone. I can download that on my Samsung. You've got this core value proposition, which is the bamboo forest where I can just check in on what, whatever conversation is happening at that moment in time, almost like dialing into 702 on my, my radio in the car, right? But then there's other offerings that are built around that that are more geared towards the individual. What are, what are some of those and how have you thought about building them? Yeah, so 
just to go back to something that you said, I think uh, I love your analogy of, you know, trying to run a marathon, right, and not training for it and thinking about that yeah. with your mental health. If you're not building resilience, if you're not investing in your mental health, how are you going to deal with, you know, an unforeseen event if it happens? It's exactly the same. And, like, hopefully we're providing mm. with people with access to the tools to be able to navigate those curveballs that life throws at us. I think the next feature that I'll talk to is really our assessments. And again, going back to the analogy of physical health, lots of ways that you can check in on your physical health, right? Like obviously easy one, get on the scale uh, is your way sure. to where you want it to be, right? But you can obviously one go metric, yeah. with, you know, glucose levels, cholesterol, et cetera. But how do you measure your mental health? And the bottom line is that there are a number of scientifically validated assessments that exist that you can complete. Um, I think the problem with a lot of these assessments is they're not always easy to find or easy to interpret the sure. results of. Or if you are lucky enough to find one, then you get the results and it tells you you're dealing with mild depression. What are you meant to do with that? Um, so we, we kind of looked at that and we yes. offer assessments in the app uh, to make them more accessible. And we've got a wide range of assessments, but also, you know, basic ones, which are depression screens or anxiety screens or uh, you know, they're saying called, you know, saying fo focused on thriving, like, you know, are you thriving? You know, why should you just settle for existence when you can be thriving? And depending on your results, we provide you with personalized feedback, right? So for a mild depression, you know, maybe it is appropriate for you to connect with a mental health professional one-on-one, -on -one, or maybe there's content that you can consume that will help support that. If it's a more severe issue, maybe you do need to, you know, call an emergency number and actually speak to sure. someone who can help you get urgent care because maybe it's come to that and you're just not aware of it. I think we're also looking to take that to the next level. And this is something which is obviously topical. I think everyone is talking about, you know, AI and GPT-3, I don't think, you know, you can go on LinkedIn and get past three posts without seeing it being mentioned, but we're starting yeah, to I'm use... Yeah, certainly guilty of that. <laughs> Good content from you, though. Um, we're starting to use AI to microscore individuals, and it's actually unbelievable how accurate it hmm. is and the natural language processing available. Because the bottom line is that like what we're seeing is that some of these assessments might be flawed, right? So people, even if you're completing sure. an assessment, you may not be honest about it or you may not want to be honest about it. But if, you know, we start understanding your behaviors in a bit more detail through your interaction with the app, we can help more objectively assess that. And that's not something that we're surfacing to individuals yet, but that's definitely on our roadmap to equip them with that information to, you know, understand their glucose levels. Because if they are in need of support, they need to get it. It's not something that is going to get right on its own. You need to invest, right? And again, the analogy applies both ways. So the next big theme is assessments, helping you understand, because how can you improve what you don't measure? We then also offer content which is self-guided content. So in your own time, watch a video, read an article, complete an exercise and invest proactively. They're all relatively short. I think our longest video is seven minutes. Most of them are, you know, three minutes or below. So when you've got a gap in your day, just go through some of the content, all focused on practical skills, things like building resilience, dealing with, with setbacks or trauma. And, you know, just those reminders, you know, when you are in that stressful situation just to take a step back and take a breath before you react because i think a lot of you know erratic behavior is driven by emotion and if you learn how to regulate your emotion in those instances you're just better equipped to handle it 
Uh, we then do offer one-on-one -on -one interventions and everything that I've uh, mentioned up until that point is completely free to the point on accessibility. When it comes to one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one interventions, that's when the paid for offering happens for the individual where uh, we offer text-based chat support, which is a primary care intervention. Um, again, in our theme, if you hurt your arm at jujitsu, you go to the hospital, you're, you're not yeah. going to be seen by an orthopedic surgeon when you step in. You're probably going to be yeah. seen by a nurse who's going to triage you as the individual. Triage and then, um, yeah, yeah. You know, depending on severity, maybe an x-ray, maybe back to the nurse, maybe to a doctor, maybe to an orthopedic surgeon, but there's a very clear process. What does that look like for mental health? So the mm. triage part of that is the assessments, but if you're unsure, you can connect with an entry-level mental health professional through text-based chat support. It's a low-cost intervention. Everyone who signs up gets one free, but you can connect with a registered counsellor and get some basic advice on your mental health and they can help you navigate your journey or help you deal with issues that you're currently facing if there are less severe issues. And then finally, we've got a marketplace of mental health professionals available, uh, you know, everyone ranging from, you know, re registered counsellors, social workers, um, you know, there's some OTs, um, some clinical psychologists, educational psychologists, et cetera, that you can connect with one-on-one. -on -one. And going back to your point, how do you know who to connect with? One will, you know, help you with the recommendations, what type of professional. We have a number of these professionals hosting sessions in the app. So mm. you almost talk about trial before you buy, right? Like in the Yeah, chemistry way. sessions in a way. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Or join a group session, hear what this person's about, ask them a question. How do they respond to you? Do they seem like someone that you can open up to and trust? Because trust is critical. Do they look like you? Right? Do they speak the same language as you? And you can assess that in the app sure. before you get going. And obviously the intention is to build that out as wide as possible. And over time, again, to start using AI to match you with the right individual based on experiences of other people so we'll get better at that over time so that's really the the holistic solution that we offer on the consumer side and as i've alluded to we really focused on and launched a, a new business focused offering towards the end of last year uh, which has been exceptionally well received where we're providing leadership and hr with you know, aggregated insights into their employee base. We don't surface anything on an individual level, but we help them understand mm. what issues are top of mind for their employee base, where they should direct if they got L&D money to throw at, you know, training. Mm. The example that was recent that I, that I often refer to is we, we, we had a client who was running a bullying seminar for two days for their entire staff. And obviously bull bullying can't be tolerated but when we looked at the data, it was 4% of their staff that were kind of encountering bullying. So obviously that needs to be dealt with. Interesting. But it was actually 64% of their staff that were dealing with um, productivity in this post-COVID world. So that was just such an easy kind of win to surface for leadership and then address, you know, through different ways of work, through you know, training for staff or for managers around how to be more proactive when you're working from home or potentially getting the team yeah. into the office for some in-person days because, you know, in this case, there were a lot of graduates coming in who hadn't actually spent in-person time with, you know, the broader team yet. So using the data is so powerful and that's really been well-received from the clients that we've been speaking to and that's something which is driving a lot of value. So if we look, think about our solution, going back to, your question around elevator pitch, it's really about proactive mental health care for employees and data-driven, actionable insights for leadership, right, to optimize organizational health and performance. 
You spoke about the importance of critical mass on both the supply and demand side. And I imagine that there's, you know, the fair amount of marketing and, and communication work. And obviously through partnerships like the corporate partnerships, you're bringing on board new users and exposing people to the platform for the first time. And everybody that I've introduced Panda 2 has raved about it. So, you know, there must be a very powerful word of mouth component as well. That's always going to be a key component of your customer side uh, growth path. But I'm curious for, for the healthcare professionals that you are recruiting and enlisting on the platform. I mean, do you see a, a future where right now are, the, are those, are the, like, let's say, for example, I'm a family therapist or a couples therapist or whatever. Am I giving Panda um, open time in my diary or, or how is that, how is that kind of relationship working right now? Are there, are there healthcare professionals that hypothetically could be fully engaged on the platform and you know what do you see that looking like in the future yeah it's a great question i think we're, we're trying to make that as seamless as possible where we do get permission or the app gets permission to access your calendar so mm-hmm. right, I mean, the assumption here is that you're updating your availability based on your calendar if you are doing that then you give us access to it and then open slot you set okay well listen i want to give 30 minutes of my time or an hour of my time and this is the cost or these are the different types of sessions and then yeah exactly the intention is people can book time directly with you as an individual obviously on the corporate side where you know often these corporate packages that we're selling include free sessions with one-on-one with professionals so that would just be a more seamless booking experience for an individual looking to connect one-on-one with a, with an individual i think the interesting thing and it goes back to this proactive care if i look at the traditional employee assistance industry which obviously serves a purpose and helps a lot of people utilization is generally low the good eap yeah. probably drive um utilization of about 15 percent if they're really good um, hmm. But generally, the average for the industry is between three to seven percent. So super low. Okay. That means you've got a hundred employees; seven of those actually access the resource over the year. Um, sure. What we're seeing, and we're kind of early on with our business offering, but the three-month average of the clients that we've been working with is over forty percent, and it goes back to the point that we're driving wow. proactive care, um, and it goes yes. back to the point of data where we're not giving you data based on the seven people in your organization that are accessing Panda. It's over 40%, which we do believe is representative of the whole. And obviously we'll work with leadership to drive that even higher. And when it comes to the corporate solution, we run closed sessions with, you know, different leaders across the business who open up about their mental health, who talk to, you know, if there is an issue around bullying, let's surface uh, surface that issue. Let's have a discussion around it. You know, and you can give Got that you. feedback or engage with leadership in an anonymous setting, you know, not as, as Michael Alon or as, you know, Superman, right? And you can give that feedback to leadership directly. So that's resonating really well. And I think part of the reason why we're able to drive that high engagement. That's amazing. So so you've 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 had some time now to build up momentum to build up to get some learnings around what works and doesn't work on the platform uh i'm sure as you gather that data and the community interaction there's a lot of things that have been revealed that might not have been anticipated up front or sort of unintended uh consequences or benefits of of the the environment that you you guys have created what are some of the things that have surprised you about panda and its community since inception I think what's what's interesting um, is if we look at the breakdown of our user base, it's almost 70% are female. Um, so, I mean, maybe this is not a surprising one. Um, maybe this is a scary one or an obvious one, but, you know, I think, you know, men also suffer from mental health related issues, but the stigma around men and mental health is real. 
where, where men are just even in this anonymous environment are not willing to kind of take that step and talk about their mental health. So, That's another important point I think that we didn't mention early on is that you can participate uh, on the platform completely anonymously. I, I don't know if we mentioned that, but that, yeah, that is an important note. Um, yeah, so you're saying that it, the data demonstrates just how profound even the internal stigma uh, is from, a, from a, a maleness perspective. Exactly. And I mean, that's why we're trying to create safe spaces for men. We, you know, we have a session every Thursday night, which is called the Man Cave, uh, which is for men by men yeah. where you've spoken. And it really is to try and break that stigma and show men that it's okay to speak about mental health. It's okay to be vulnerable. But I mean, scary when we see it in the data, thankfully, you know, I think that's slowly improving. In November, mm. we ran a campaign on Men's Mental Health Awareness Month with Jacaranda, where we drove awareness with the station. And what Saw was that. interesting, yeah. Yeah. in that cohort, given their efforts, we actually had a 50-50 split. So much better, obviously, okay. there's some, some way to go to kind of make it up over time. But if the messaging is there, if it's consistent, if people are seeing you know, people that they look up to speaking about their mental health, then they're willing to be vulnerable themselves. So more work to be done there, but that was, I guess, surprising, but also positive. I think what we're seeing in terms of like issue types, what, what's coming up, and this is really consistent over time, is um, anxiety, depression, work stress are, are some of the, the top issues that come up for people. Financial stress is another big one, again, maybe not unusual. But what's also interesting mm. is if you look across genders, if you look across um, age groups. And again, we, we see this in our data across corporates. And then you often think, you know, everyone is facing the same issue, but it's not, right? You know, maybe the mm. different issues across offices, across cities, and you know, we can kind of dissect the data based on that, you know, in Durban, you may be facing different issues. I mean, Durban has had a, sure. well, KZN generally is Torrid a time. Yeah. yeah. So like issues, they are real. Like, so we can see that sort of thing in the data, things like load shedding mm. impacting the data. So I think there, there are a lot of learnings. I think, you know, we also are, are learning what works from a marketing perspective, right? I think like, you know, as a startup, you're scrappy, you do what it is to create awareness, some things work. I think we're also refining, you know, what is the business model? Um, it's also a learning for us. You know, what is the right way to drive revenue? How we should think about building the business? Should we focus on it, selling a, a product to a consumer? Should we focus about selling a product to a business? And you know, maybe it is, I don't know, it is easier to build a B2B business arguably uh, building a con like a brand is very tough creating awareness selling to yeah. one individual is tough so i think all these things are learnings trying what works what what messaging works what doesn't what resonates uh, what products work what do people engage with how can we increase that i think also just testing i, th I think again like this is a, a good experiment or a good learning from uber and i think you're seeing it in real time and i think everyone's got strong views on this also so i don't want to open up that can of worms but i think something that elon musk is doing well twitter is that he's testing things some things work some things don't if it doesn't work they roll sure. that down quickly and they yeah. kind of pivot and try again and i think trying to take a similar approach where you know you've got to test things what products work what don't what resonates what increases conversion what doesn't um, and all these things are measurable and if you're you know, if you're a business, if you're starting out, if you're not measuring every step of your funnel when it comes to mental health professionals, where they're getting stuck, why they're not signing up, you know, is the value proposition not strong enough? Is it too complicated? I mean, we made a mess of our sign-up funnel for mental health professionals when we initially launched. We initially mm. created, like, we, 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 instead of connecting directly to calendars, we use Calendly, which is a great tool, but to get calendar integration in the app, 
um, mental health professionals had to go and get an API from their Canon D page. Oh and gosh, okay, yeah. That to us. And it's actually not that complicated, but in the, the Canon D API is like a string of probably a thousand characters and it's an intimidating process if you're not comfortable with technology. So no, we pivoted yeah, and we, yeah. we made it a lot easier where you can connect your calendar directly. So you've got to make mistakes, but I think you're sitting here move quickly and try things. I think also if I think of, again, maybe cliches, but like you've just got to get started and try things and iterate and improve and get going. I think often people have ideas and they sit on those ideas and don't try it and you've got to just keep on moving forward as well and, and not give up if things don't initially work in the way that you hope they will. Yeah, and I guess there's something to be said for kind of eating your own cooking. That's the same sort of proactive behavior you're asking your audience to engage in, right? Like we we want to create an environment that really listens and hears. And I mean, I had this experience. I hosted a, a, a couple of really great sessions with you guys, gave you feedback immediately. This is what worked. This is what I struggled with a little bit. And immediately there were solutions around it. So having that kind of intentionality is a, is a really powerful way to build loyalty and to build community. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's cl clearly one of your distinct uh, strategies around uh, leveraging network effects is getting people who are willing to talk about their own journeys, maybe not necessarily healthcare professionals per se, but individuals that have been on a on a, on a journey and, and have a story to tell, allowing them the freedom and the space to host sessions, which is, there's an element of real trust there. And, and that's not easy to do. And that's really powerful, really profound. And you know, clearly uh, is having a positive impact. I mean, just the opportunities and connections that have come out of the few uh, short sessions that I hosted with you um, have been really, really you know, enriching and really profound. So it's been great to partner with a brand that way. And I look forward to see what you guys are going to do in the future. What are your utopian hopes and dreams? <laughs> what, is, what is your ambition uh, for Panda in, in the, you know, sort of in the next two to three years? Yeah, so I, I think our next step, and I've I've touched on it maybe short term, is just to take our forest sessions from a world where we're running fourteen hours a day to having always on sessions, so twenty four hours, wow. you know, multiple sessions every hour. So there is a session for you. I think if I look in the context of South Africa, the next thing that we want to be doing is having sessions in different languages because why should people, frankly, have to talk about their mental health in English? Uh, you should, Amazing, there should be yeah. enough users where you can speak about it in whatever language you're comfortable speaking about your mental health in. Um, and then obviously, you know, we're, we're, we do have a strong impact focus, right? And, you know, but it's about profit with purpose. So we do want to build, you know, meaningful business on the, the B2B side, which is ultimately our revenue driver, which enables us to continue to offer things like the forest for free. I think mm. if I also think about that, it's leveraging technology, leveraging AI, open AI to, you know, use data and understand users in a way that they may not necessarily understand them, themselves. And that goes to micro scoring and tracking that to these scientifically validated assessments and seeing if we've got a more accurate way or an early indicator which talks to an at-risk individual and we can help those individuals, right? Or we can get that individual to give us uh, a trusted contact and we can notify that trusted contact that, listen, I learned yes, to yes. check in on him today, right? Without giving away too much, obviously mm. with user permission, but I think if you can er intervene early, right? If you can be proactive, then hopefully you can reduce these serious incidents down the load, which you know, if we, we sure. can do that for one person, that's amazing. And then, I mean, we, we got plans to take this beyond South Africa, right? I mean, that's part of the reason why I was in the U.S. We want to get there. Um, the U.S. market is literally 200 times bigger than the South African market. Mm. Super competitive, 
probably 200 times more competitive. I'm sure. Like that's going back to my Uber example, if you don't, if you don't try, right, we'll never know. Right. And we try and fail yeah. the have learnings that come with that. So that is the, I guess, you know, if we can get to the US this year, then hopefully there are many more countries to come off the back of that in the next two, three years. So some bold aspirations. I think a lot, we can do a lot more that we can be doing more features to come. And we've already got journaling functionality, which I didn't mention earlier, but I think there are a lot of oh, nice. enhance that experience and enhance the assessments and enhance your ability to track and really gamify the experience and make it a bit more rewarding to engage with the app in the way that if you, you know, with vitality, you're rewarded for being healthy. How can you be with Panda and be reward, rewarded for being absolutely health? Absolutely. No, that's very exciting, man. So, so for people, Alon, who are interested in, in exploring the app or finding out more about what you're doing or maybe connecting with you guys to find out more, even participate, joinpanda.com is the, is the place they need to go. Is that right? Yeah, if you go to our website, you'll be able to download the app. You'll also be able to get in touch with us or you can email us at help at joinpanda.com. And if you go to any of the app stores, if you search for join Panda, two words, the app will come up and you can download it directly. Yeah, and it's super easy to get integrated and set up and it's a very seamless process. So I'd really encourage you guys, if you haven't seen it yet, well worth popping in, hear what's happening in the in the bamboo forest and participate. And like we said before, you don't have to do that um, using your name. You could do so anonymously um, and you can always change that later and participate under your name if you'd like to. But what a great, what a powerful uh, initiative, Alon, uh, just, you know, combining your unmatched experience in scaling these types of products in, in a market like ours, you know, and I, I do believe there's something to be said for building products like this under the constraints and conditions that we operate in, because there's an element of real resilience that gets built into uh, those products. And I think that can scale and that it, it means you're going to solve problems that other people aren't really even thinking of. And that's really cool. I think that's, that's an exciting uh prospect and just thank you uh, on behalf of all of us that kind of are quite open about the fact that mental health is a challenge and that anxiety and depression are a part of our everyday lives and you know find ourselves walking <laughs> walking that road one step at a time um we appreciate that there are people like you that are building solutions that that help us navigate that process thank you well look really appreciate the platform and the opportunity i think you know we're getting early data where we're seeing that i mean you know, therapy works is the bottom line, right? And we're seeing that in our data. One-on-one -on -one interventions work. But what we're also seeing in our data is that consistent use of the forest also works, right? In a way that if mm -hmm. you do it consistently, we, we're seeing the, the improvement that we went to in the scores of individuals using our app. So hopefully we can also validate that with we're actually entering into research partnership with Stenbosch University in February. So we'll have some third parties awesome. hopefully validating that data. Uh, but yeah, it's encouraging. Still a long way to go. But exciting. Yeah, encouraging to start seeing the data showing that it is making an impact. Awesome. Well, thanks, my friend. And I look forward to seeing the progress over the next uh, couple of weeks or so, a uh, couple of months. And yeah, thanks for taking out the time to be on the show. I know you're super busy. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me here. Chat to you soon. Cheers. Ciao. You've been listening to the One-Eyed Man podcast. I'm Mike Stopforth, an entrepreneur, writer, and public speaker deeply curious about discovering better ways to lead and better ways to live in an increasingly complex world. I find the best source of these ideas is the experience and wisdom of interesting people who are taking unconventional approaches to solving the world's most compelling problems. If you'd like to hear from someone I haven't yet spoken to, visit MikeStopforth.com, click on the podcast link, and send through your suggestions. A big thanks to the Solid Gold Podcast Studios in Johannesburg, South Africa for making this production possible. And remember, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man 
slash person is king. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.